Welcome to the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour with your host and founder, Alex Burr. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm your host, Alex Burr, and, you know, no curveball, obviously, but just, just the thought to leave to the audience. If a dream on green is in the woods and he thinks he gets fouled, will he make any contact? <laughs> um, obviously, I, I think that's where I want to start today. Um, Draymond Green, if, unless you've been living under a rock, and apologies for the uh, commotion outside my apartment. Sounds like um, someone, someone's house might be on fire. Um, Draymond Green, whapped, I, I think whapped would probably be a good description of what Draymond did to Yusuf Nurkic on Tuesday night. And um, this comes after he choked Rudy Gobert earlier in the season. And he was suspended five games for that. Zach Griffith and I kind of touched on this in Back Shoulder Fade on Wednesday night. But in case you want to hear this, I'm going to expand on it a little bit. I don't know how much time I'm going to spend on this. Um, I just I need to qualify this by saying the Warriors do not win four championships without Draymond Green. Every single one of them. Instrumental cog to each one of those championships. That being said, it's just like, you have to have some semblance of impulse control, you know? I mean, I, a lot of us have played basketball at some level. Maybe there are some of you who got cut from your high school teams. Thankfully, you know, I'm not the greatest athlete in the world, but I did go to a school small enough where I was able to um, get on the high school basketball team. I'll admit, you know, I did have some outbursts like this. Not like this necessarily, but I did, you know, some, I'll, I'll admit, you know, one time I did maybe shove a couple guys. <laughs> not that, not to this extent, right? But, you know, sometimes you get heated in the heat of the moment of a game. You know, things happen. It's basketball. You understand. But what Draymond's doing is kind of beyond the pale, right? And again, I'm not a professional. You know, I don't know what's going on out there. But what just the amount of times that it's happened, (laughs) the sheer amount of times that he's it's like Charlie Murphy said about Rick James in the famous Chappelle's show sketch. Draymond is a habitual line stepper, habitual. At this point, it's gotten worse as he's gotten older, right? 2016 was obviously, I think, the very worst of it because it literally cost him a title. And we can, you know, say whatever. But Draymond not playing game five was kind of like, I don't know necessarily how avalanches start, but I know avalanches start small and then blossom into something ginormous. And that's kind of what happened when... Draymond obviously hit LeBron in game four, and then obviously it snowballed, right? It kind of cooled down. (laughs) We didn't have as many Draymond incidents, right? There wasn't as many shenanigans while KD was in town. Um, Obviously, they were really bad in 2019-20 after KD left, and, you know, Steph was hurt most of that year. I don't think Draymond played a good amount of that year. If he did, he looked really bad, if I'm remembering correctly. If he he played, like, 30 games. And then 2021, um, he was phenomenal. Probably should have been Defensive Player of the Year that year. 
21-22. Didn't play the whole season, but in the playoffs. Got benched a little bit, you know, because he was kind of being a little bit self-destructive. But then once he got benched, he kind of played within himself. And, you know, channeled that. And he was probably their third best player that season. You could deliberate who their best players were on that team. I'm not going to quibble with a hypothetical person. Um, if you have any disagreements, at Caleb Lynn, one on Twitter. Um, the thing is, right, this all kind of got out of control during preseason last year with Jordan Poole. When he punched Jordan Poole, yeah, I don't even think he missed any regular season games. I think they just made him sit through the preseason. And then, you know, it just kind of was acting like nothing happened. Jordan Poole was just like, okay, this is really awkward. And Poole in the regular season, because Steph missed so much time. Um, Clay missed so much time. Wiggins missed 45 games last year. Draymond was not healthy. Or Draymond actually played a good amount of games last year. Clay took a significant drop off. Clay, Clay averaged 20 points a game last year, but those numbers were really deceiving because there were games where he'd average 10, like he'd get 10 points, and then he'd erupt for like 45. <laughs> so Jordan Poole was probably their most consistent scorer last year, which based on the way everyone's talking about him this year, and I'll, I'll talk about the Wizards obviously later in the episode. Um, he was their most consistent player, and you knew just based on what was going on there, the vibes were just incredibly off based on what happened there. Then obviously him stomping on Sabonis, <laughs> and that's just a ridiculous sentence to say, stomping on Sabonis, in the playoffs, getting suspended for a game there didn't end up costing them, but they did lose in the second round to the Lakers. At, in this, the first time he didn't dominate AD in a playoff series, by the way, important to note because he, historically he had actually dominated AD defensively. AD could not figure Draymond out, and this was the first time AD had figured Draymond out. So we're kind of turning a leaf here in terms of this guy was the best defensive player, best defensive big man, I'll say. Uh, from like 2015 to 2020. We'll go 2015 to 2021. He was the best defensive big man in the league. And then all of a sudden the cracks are starting to show. And now, obviously, the two incidents this year already. And we're, we're not even at Christmas yet. We have 11, I'm recording this on the 14th. I don't know if I'm gonna put this, I'm probably gonna put this out on Friday. We're, we have two incidents. <laughs> before Christmas and who knows when he's going to come back he's suspended indefinitely the last time they did an indefinite suspension Ja came back I think within 10 games so who's to really say how long Draymond will be out in the interim I saw Shams today come out and say Kuminga will take a larger role which if you listen to me on back shoulder fade I immediately looked to see um his most improved odds because he is going to get huge jump in playing time. And um, I think he was on with McAfee, if I'm not mistaken. I could, if I'm wrong, I apologize. But um, he was, Shams was asked, like, could that be a permanent change once Draymond's back? And Shams said 1000%. So it's possible. We haven't done the Warriors yet. <laughs> But the signs are leaning towards um, Draymond not being back in Golden State next year. I believe he might be a free agent. If he's not a free agent, I think he has maybe one year left on his contract. It's it's not looking pretty 
for him. It's not. And Clay has one. Uh, Clay's definitely a free agent next summer. And I don't think he's coming back. If they have a disappointing year this year, there's a chance Kerr doesn't come back. So what is what are you left with if you're Golden State? That's. I don't think the time for that question is right now because we don't know. <laughs> but. Man, they could be really screwed. Now, if they step, if Kaminga really steps up, right? If Kaminga really takes advantage of this opportunity, maybe you're able to move Draymond, right? Maybe you're able to attach what little draft assets you have and be like, here, team, we want role players. Or here, Raptors, we want Pascal Siakam, right? Or maybe here, um, I don't know, like a... OG Ananobi. Maybe they get OG Ananobi. OG would actually probably fit this team better than Draymond and Wiggins, you know? Just something that would help. <laughs> because right now, Wiggins is playing awfully. Wiggins played great his first few years in Golden State, and then it's kind of fallen off a cliff. And I don't know what happened there. I'm not going to speculate, but it's last year and the start to this year have been less than less than stellar so i'm just going to be real interested to monitor that golden state situation um and that's going to be something everyone should keep their eye on another thing i wanted to talk about the pacers signed james johnson now alex you, you might not be asking me why are you talking about the Pacers signing a guy who surely won't play for them? Well, let me tell you when he will be playing. <laughs> he will be playing on January 1st when the Indiana Pacers play the Milwaukee Bucks. And why, you might ask, will he be playing? Unless, if you're listening to this podcast, surely you know. <laughs> you, you heard about what happened um, between Milwaukee and Indiana. But in case you don't know, um, Giannis took out the in-season tournament loss. So I suppose I should talk about that too, but those, those happened more recently than the in-season tournament. Um, the Bucks lost to the Pacers in the in-season tournament. And so Giannis took, decided he took that personally. And Giannis has killed the Pacers just about every time he plays them. Like, they don't have an answer for him at all. And he scored 64 points last night. On He had 32 free throw attempts. Um... Had just a it was a Bucks franchise record. Okay, this is important. Now, what's also important is that there's a rookie out of Kentucky, Oscar Sheebway. If you're a college basketball fan, this name is very familiar to you. If you're not a college basketball fan, you're like, who the hell is that guy? And Oscar Sheebway is a two-way player for the Pacers. Got his first official minutes on Wednesday. Now, the reason I say first official is because the in-season tournament um, finale, finale, the in-season tournament championship game does not count towards your official statistics kind of like the play-in games so they're just kind of lost in the ether so technically oscar shibway scored his first official points last night and so the pacers wanted the game ball Giannis also won the game ball hilarity ensued Giannis ran and sprinted into the tunnel chasing after that game ball um eventually someone said Someone on Milwaukee said they had their hands on what seemed like the game ball, but Giannis is like, this does not feel... <laughs> I held the game ball. This does not feel like what the game ball was. Um, the Pacers have a tradition of giving rookies who score their first career point the game ball, right? And um, Pacers reporter Scott Agnes, who does a good job of following the team, he's probably... In terms of just, like, actually, if you want good information on the Pacers, Scott Agnes is the guy to follow. Um... 
Scott Agnes was giving video proof. I don't remember who scored their first basket, but it was Carlisle, and it was it looked pretty recent. Um, it was with Carlisle, and someone was given the game ball. Apparently, this is like a long running thing. So. There's a whole kerfuffle. Apparently, Pacers GM Chad Buchanan got elbowed in the whole fracas. And so who better to bring in, if you're the Pacers, than James Johnson, Mr. MMA champion himself, the man, the man no one, I don't think anyone wants to cross in the NBA. By the way, Pacers were his last team. So it makes it stands to reason that he, you know, would want to go back to Indiana or that they would want to bring him back for the sole purpose of wanting to, um, of wanting that enforcer. So love that move for them. It's If the Bucks and the Pacers are a real true rivalry, which would have come out of nowhere, but I think that'll segue me kind of perfectly into the in-season tournament, which the Lakers won um, the first edition of. Anthony Davis was dominant, what, 40-20, I think like five blocks. I'm, I'm not exactly right on those stats, but he just was dominant in that game. Um, LeBron first... <laughs> I mean, who else was it going to be? LeBron first IST MVP. Um, and the Lakers... You know, they had kind of an easier draw. I mean, the Pacers beat the Celtics and the Bucks, right? So they deserve plaudits for that. And, you know, it wasn't an easy draw for them. They made it through a tough, you know, their group, I think, I don't remember what exactly their group was. In, in any event, that's not the point here. The point is, there's probably some, like, little work around the edges they could do to improve this, you know, maybe do it a little later in the season. I don't feel like these are the dog days of the NBA season, right? Obviously, you're fighting for attention right now with the NFL. But in terms of like what the actual dog days of the season are, because we're only, what, 20 games into the season? The actual dog days of the season are in like February. That's when half the league is given up. That's when, you know, we see the Trailblazers consistently bring out the most tanktastic lineups you've ever seen. Um... And so if I was going to tweak something, I think that would be my biggest tweak would be to make it later in the season. But otherwise, is unadulterated success. I think I was completely wrong because I did not know what they were going to do. Like, I thought, okay, I'm just going to be honest with you guys here. Just if, if we can be a um, vulnerable moment here. Adam Silver, <laughs> not my um, favorite commissioner. And I'll, I mean, probably the best one out of the four, but... But I think that um, they got this one right, the NBA did. And I think that the NBA hitting this one out of the park the way they did, because there was a lot of traction, it seemed, and a lot of people were interested in this. And I, I have to give them credit, because it seemed like Silver was so hellbent on this in-season tournament idea for years. And it was like, okay, Adam, we get it, you know, whatever, in-season tournament, blah, blah, blah. But then he actually does it, and he did the damn thing. And I, I had, listen, hats off to him, okay? All credit where credit's due. Um, if it's gonna get you playoff intensity level games in December, or if January, or February, or whatever the hell you play these games, do it. You know, the regular season has become such a slog, you know, that getting these playoff level games <laughs> in such a 
in such a slow time for the league, right? I mean, to be honest, they're only... The regular season has about three high points, right? I'd say it's October. I'd say it's Christmas. And then I'd say it's around the trade deadline slash all-star game. That's about when I'd say the regular season interest peaks the most. Obviously, if there's a tight playoff race and it involves the Lakers or the Warriors in particular, then people care. But for the most part, people can't bring themselves to care, especially during NFL season. And I have to give Silver credit for that, too. They got people. I think they got more people to care than they would usually during NFL season. I get why they did, you know, especially like people were complaining about how they staggered the starts of the um, games. If they were going to play them both on Thursday, I don't really know what else that you wanted them to do. What were they going to tip off? <laughs> Two games that they played on the same court back to back right after each other. The sweaty ass court. I mean, that's kind of a little ridiculous. So um, overall, you know, there, like I said, there's probably little things they could do to improve the product. But I, I think for the most part, the grand idea, he got it. He got it right. And I haven't said that about Silver in a, in a really long time. So um, on that note, I suppose it's time to talk about the Knicks. My depressing, beautiful New York Knicks. Yesterday, I lost 117-113 to the Jazz. Um, lost to the Bucks in the quarterfinals of the in-season tournament. I don't even think we... Uh, I, mean, I, should, I should go over the last five, but that's pr- pretty depressing. Beat the Raptors 119-106. Lost to the Bucks in the in-season tournament 146-122. Lost to the Celtics 133-123. Beat the Raptors 136-130. First game without Mitchell Robinson. I will get to that in a second. And then they're on the first game of a West Coast road trip, and they lost to the Jazz 117-113. Now... Here's where things are going to get tricky for them. Okay. So, because they lost Mitch, and that Jazz game was about as bad of a game. <laughs> I think it was probably the worst game I've watched them play all year. And I, I watched them, that, that New Orleans game they played earlier this year, where, um, I think, it, what game was that? It was the third game of the season, where they lost 87 to 96, and it wasn't even that close. Some of those games... Like, a game like Utah, you have to win that one. Especially, Utah was begging to blow it. Utah was like, please, 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 Knicks, let us hand you this game. They were giving it to them on a silver platter, okay? But the Knicks couldn't get a stop because Mitchell Robinson is such a key cog on their defense. They can't get a stop without Mitch. And I've been meaning to talk about him, right? And I kind of regret not doing it while he was healthy. And it sucks because he was playing this. Everyone who listens to this pod knows I've been a huge Mitchell Robinson fan for a long time, especially after Tibbs got there. One thing I everyone knows Tibbs. um, (laughs) Everyone knows he's not my favorite coach. So, I mean, I could delve into it, but I've I've already kind of rambled and I, I should get to the point here. But he, he is a defensive mastermind, and he turned Robinson into a legitimate defensive anchor, and he cut down his foul rate. Robinson was a fouling machine before he got to, before Thibodeau got to New York. He just was. And the fact that now Robinson can stay up, like, in terms of fouling, can stay on the floor consistently is one of the biggest improvements in terms... Because Jaron Jackson is still having trouble with fouls, right? But but Thibodeau got there, 
And it's like, all of a sudden, it's just a completely different player in terms of discipline. It was insane. It was a night and day difference. He stays down on pump fakes. Just in, in, it's, it helps that he's an insane athlete. But he, he can't stay healthy. I wish he could. I wish he could because the sky is the limit for that man. It really is. And more importantly, more importantly, I, it, he's going to come back in eight to 10 weeks. So presumably we're going to put it at February, maybe March. In 21 games, um, 6.2 points a game, not great. 1.3 blocks, not the best in the world. 1.5 steals, that's pretty great. 1.9 personal fouls, that's stellar. 10.3 rebounds, that's pretty good. 5.3 offensive rebounds a game. I mean, not cleaning up the defensive glass, but when you have a guy like Randall who wants to hit the glass, um, that's you're, you're just going to live with that. But you just go through the games played for Robinson year over year. 59 last year. 72 and 21-22, which I believe... No, that wasn't the... Um, 72-game season. So he played a majority of that season, but not the whole season. By far his healthiest year. Um, 21, played 31 games. So, okay, for the most part, he actually has been pretty healthy. I'm exaggerating a little bit. He's not like Robert Williams out there. But at the same time, I want to see him healthy for the playoffs because he was the best frontcourt player in a series with Julius Randle, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. By far, the best playoff. He was the best front court player. Wasn't it close. And I think he's a special talent. I think he can make things happen. And more importantly, like, I didn't watch the whole Raptors-Knicks game. But the parts that I did watch, the Raptors were just getting to the rim at will, too. It was just like, okay, here's a layup. Here's a layup. Here's a layup. I bet you if I look... I don't have clean the glass pulled up. But I bet you if I pulled up the shots at the rim for both of those games, like, the no... Basically, on cleaning the glass, um, the more you do something, (laughs) the brighter orange the number gets. I'm guessing the orange on the shots of the rim numbers for both of those games will be like the sun. So, Jericho Sims is going to be starting in place of Robinson while um, so they can maintain rotation continuity, which I I don't, don't hate. I think Hartenstein is a NBA starter. Um, I don't think Tibbs likes messing. I don't think he likes having Randall and Hartenstein out there at the same time. And I don't blame them. They're both kind of wanting to hang around the perimeter. (laughs) And I guess that it actually kind of lines up too. Randall plays 35 minutes a game. Hartenstein plays 18.5 minutes a game. So if you look at it, it actually lines up perfectly. <laughs> They're both not on the floor at the same time. So I don't know. I think it's gonna be really, it's gonna really suck without him out there. You know, eating up the offensive glass. I, that was really kind of good source of offense for them too, especially since they didn't get a whole lot of ball movement. Um, Brunson dribbles the hell out of the ball. Randall dribbles the hell out of the ball. Barrett. So. Them getting offensive rebounds was a good way for them to get those second chance opportunities. And I just think that, you know, their team is gonna suffer for it. And their their schedule coming up is pretty is pretty rough. So we got at Phoenix tomorrow, or tonight, depending on when you're listening to this. Um 
at Los Angeles on Saturday, at or at the Clippers on Saturday, at the Lakers on Sunday. So they're gonna have they have a pretty young team too. So they're gonna have the Los Angeles flu playing the better Los Angeles team first and foremost. Then they're gonna be going back to the East Coast <laughs> to play the Nets. So they're going back to New York, but. It's going to be ugly, man. It is going to be ugly. I don't envy them in the least. Um, I think that, you know, there's a chance they don't win while they're out west. And there's a chance they come back from the this road trip, you know, because Brooklyn is the road. You know, the Knicks play in Manhattan. There's a chance they come back from this road trip under 500. Now the Nets, I don't know. I think they're very good, but let's um let's go ahead and transition to my other two teams. So let's 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 spin the wheel first though, because the wheel needs to be spun. It's been a while. It's been a while for the wheel. So let me let me lower the volume first because the volume I'm sure is very loud and we don't need to hear all that. But um I'm hoping. By the way, Katie Beal and Booker are back, so maybe I'll avoid one of the other spins. <laughs> no, that's actually funny. Okay. I spent all this time talking about the Warriors. Guess who I got this week? <laughs> Serendipity, if I've ever seen it. All right. The Warriors are my first spin. Okay, let's go ahead and do the second one. That's actually kind of hilarious. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay. So Warriors won. And then the Raptors. Maybe I can go back and watch that Raptors next game. Um... So, Warriors and Raptors 2019 Finals, um, favorite one of my favorite series of all time. That's gonna be a fun, <laughs> a fun week. Um, let's go ahead and start with a not fun team, a team that is would be worse than the East any other year. They are currently somehow not on a massive losing streak because they played the Pistons on November 27th. They are the Washington Wizards. Um, they're on a six-game losing streak. I'm not going to bother reading to you their last however many games because they've lost six in a row. Um, three and 20. Good for 14th in the East. Um, yeah, this team is bad, man. It's bad. And there's news out of Washington that they're going to be moving. Them and the Capitals are going to be moving to Alexandria, which I believe is only four miles outside of Washington, D.C., but it still sucks um, because they were in the city. Um, I don't. I don't. I guess I don't. You don't know too much about it, but it is still newsworthy. So I. I did think that was um, something to talk about. Not. Not a lot of people are happy about it. Not a lot of Wizards fans are happy about it. Um, it's just gonna be unfortunate that you know. You have an NBA team in a city, right? And no Braves fans, like for instance, Braves fans weren't happy when they moved out of the city proper. Um, I know the the commanders aren't in DC proper, but I don't think they've ever been. And there's no, like, if you've ever been to DC, there's no way you could actually put a football stadium there. So, and just like how the New York teams actually aren't in New York proper, but just like right outside the city. Um, still though, it's, it's not the same because basketball is a city game, <laughs> you know, it's like hockey. You can kind of get away with it a little bit because the people that like it are more out that way, if that makes sense. But you, it, it, 
What? Okay, I'll just I'll go off my lived experience with the Pacers, right? I only when I lived in downtown Indianapolis, which wasn't very long. It wasn't even downtown technically, but. I could walk to downtown in five minutes, which is my frame of reference here because I lived, it was a 20 minute walk from um, Gain Ridgefield House. And it being right downtown, Lucas Oil is right downtown too. Both of those being right downtown is so awesome. And it brings a lot of activity to the city. It brings a lot of like visitors, foot traffic. Um, I used to work as a delivery person for Pizza Hut, right? And this is, this is about the Cowboys now. The Cowboys came to town and they brought Cowboys fans travel spectacularly well. And you can say whatever you want about the Cowboys themselves, you know, I hate them, whatever. Um, their fans are spectacularly nice and they travel supremely well. They um, tip me, I mean, maybe this, I thought they were nice because they tip me well. But I think that's one of the things that you lose when you take a city out of, or when you take a team out of an actual, a city proper and move them to a suburb, right? The suburb reaps all the benefits, but it's like, why have a, the team's, the uh, city name and the team name, you know, if it's not actually in the city. Like the Atlanta Braves are like an hour outside of Atlanta, I think. It might not be that drastic, but it's pretty far from the city. Um, it's not, they made it sound like it's not easy to get to. So, I don't know. I think, there's a lot of factors that I don't know about here, but at the same time, miss me. Miss me on moving out of DC. That's, that's all I'll say. Um, as for the Wizards themselves, they're bad. <laughs> um, Kuzma is getting to get up shots, you know, good for him. This is a team. I don't know if any of these guys right now, caveat being right now, I don't think I trust any of these guys, with the exception of Kuzma, to be my fifth guy on a championship team. I don't know if I trust Jordan Poole to be my sixth guy. And I know they're trying to be bad, right? Obviously, because Winger, um, this is the first year, right? This is the Oklahoma City in 2020. This is the um, first year of the process when they traded, you know, Thaddeus Young and who else was on that um, 76ers team? Thaddeus Young and I think Nick Young was on there. Was Nick Young on there? I don't remember who all was on that 76ers team. But um, like Andre Iguodala, when he got there basically. This is that year for the Wizards, right? So they're gonna be abjectly terrible. They did have the seventh pick and I love this guy. This guy freaking rules. Bilal Koulibaly, okay. Um, I thought he was going to be taller. I was under the impression he was like a power forward. He's not. He's like a two. He's like 6'6". Six, six. He'll probably end up playing the three, maybe the four if he puts on more muscle because he's got a huge wingspan. And that's, I think, kind of what I want to talk about here is he's 6'6 six, six with a 7'3 wingspan, okay? There is something to work with. And I think Michael Winger, who has a phenomenal draft, like who had a phenomenal draft record in LA. Like say what you will about the Clippers and there's a lot to say about them. He had a phenomenal eye for talent. And I think that Koulibaly, right? He's already shooting 42% from three. Um, 
I watched him. I watched the Wizard Sixers game from last week where Embiid scored fifty. That was the one that was close. <laughs> it's hard to find games to watch for the Wizards that are competitive. Then let me tell you, the only reason that game was competitive is because the Sixers decided, hey, we're just gonna let the Wizards have everything. So I don't know how much of what I'm saying is actually like real per se, but Koulibaly still was really active. Here's my opinion, okay? I know I just brought up the no defense thing. If they're not playing defense, you can't respond and kind of be like, oh, they're not playing defense. I can coast. And I think that's what I appreciated about the Wizards last week. I know Embiid toasted them, right? And they still, you know, they were always going to lose that game. But it's easy when you're three and I think there were would have been three and 18 at that point, three and 17. It would be easy for you to be like, oh, this is pointless. He's going to score 50 on us. Now, they did get their asses handed to them <laughs> the next time they played the 76ers. Um, but I think that, yeah, the next time they played them, it was 146 to 101. And that was this Monday. <laughs> but at the same time, you need to find, in a season like this, the, the important thing is you need to find the glimmers of hope. You can't just be like, oh, this is a completely lost season. You know, that everything's garbage here. Because, yeah, a lot of it is garbage. It's hard to deny that. But at the same time, you're not going to make things better by only being negative, right? A lot of these guys shouldn't be on the roster next year. I would 1,000% co-sign that. But if Danny Avdia can shoot, maybe you can get something for him. That'll be useful. You know, I think Denny Avdia, um, I think he can play. I think he's a player. And if he can shoot, you know, maybe you can get something for him. You know, I think Corey Kispert, maybe you can get something. Like, he's the real problem <laughs> with the Wizards, and it's like a institutional problem. Well, I don't remember the name of the last guy because he was so bad. And Tommy Shepard. Shepard was so bad, so bad at drafting. Rui got a chance, a second chance at life in Los Angeles, but he was dreadful in Washington. Like he was not good, um, and he really hasn't even been that good in Los Angeles either. He's just been okay, but you know he hasn't had the expectations of the world on him either in LA. So you know whatever, Avdia. You can defend the pick, but at the same time, you know, it's whatever. Probably should have taken Halliburton. Kispert should have taken Shingoon. And I'm sorry, Kispert's a really nice player, but Kispert's the kind of guy you take if you are trying to win games. And the Wizards should not have been trying to win games. And they should not have been trying to win games since John Wall got hurt. They just shouldn't have. And I think it all starts with Leonsis, very clearly. The problems lie with Leonsis, and I think Winger might be the guy to try to fix it, but Leonsis, I don't think... Leonsis let the problem get out of hand, right? Leonsis was like, okay, if I just ignore the problem, maybe it'll go away. It did not, reader. It did not go away. Um... Because this team now is in a state of disarray that'll take probably... Because this year was not the year to tank, mind you. This year, 
draft class is being compared to like 2013, 2000. I'm trying to think of other bad draft classes. Those are the two that come to mind. And no one knows who the first overall pick is right now. I mean, last year we knew from the start it was going to be Wembenyama. Um, 2022, we knew it was going to be between Paolo and Chet. I mean, Jabari threw his name in the mix, but from the start, we knew it was between those two. Um, 2021, Cade was pretty much the consensus from the jump, right? For the most part, we have a pretty good read on who the first overall pick is going to be from the start of the season. And... Obviously, like, 2019, right? Ja jumps into the discussion. Um, no, like, in 2019, it was thought to be between RJ and Zion. And then it came down to, like, during draft season, it was between Zion and Ja. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't follow college basketball all that much. I do follow a lot of draft people. There's not been anyone who's been like, yeah, this guy's really making his case to be the number one overall pick. Uh, my friend Caleb Lynn, you know, host of the Insanity podcast, said that this is going to be a year where guys' performance in the NCAA tournament is really going to move draft stock. And Wizards fans better hope that if that's the case, that they just end up with the right guy. Because I just... This is not the year with blue chip prospects, right? Obviously, next year, next year, hell, next year, everyone who knows who the first overall pick is going to be. Obviously, it's subject to change. But Cooper Flag, Cooper Flag is probably the most hyped American prospect since Zion, coming out of high school. Yeah, I chat was pretty hyped, but I think Zion had more hype than Cooper Flag. We've known about Cooper Flag since he reclassed. So technically, we've known about him since his freshman year. You know, I mean, I've heard of him. And if I've heard of a guy since his freshman year, people have known about him since he was like middle school, probably like people who know, know. So I think their best bet is to be bad this year. Hope the lottery balls actually go their way next year. <laughs> Not this year. Hope Kulabali is something and hope they just get value for all these guys they have. I mean, they're not going to get off a of pool. They're just not. Pool, they're going to be stuck with pool and his contract. Nobody is going to want that man. Nobody. And he is playing. T- I mean, okay. I owe this to my friend Caleb Lynn if I'm going to talk about the Wizards. He is playing like absolute garbage. He just is. And I know I complimented him earlier in the show, but. If you want to go just watch lowlights, just go look up Jordan Poole on Twitter. And it's just going to be like him trying to throw it off the backboard while they're down 22. You know, it's going to be him trying to do hezzies, you know, crossovers, all that jazz while they're down 30. You know, he's shooting 40% from the field, 29% from three. Um, 16 and a half points a game. And I have to say, like, I liked when I watched, I liked the way they used him, right? Like, I like the way they're getting him off of screens. You know, not just like letting him create for himself off the dribble, but at the same time, he's not that guy. He's just not. And the Warriors had him at a good spot in the packing order. But if he thinks he's that guy and he's already won a chip, what are you going to tell him? You know, he's got a bag. So maybe he just needs to be eat a. Maybe he just needs to be in this spot for a few years and get a taste of wanting to win more before resettling into, you know, a smaller role. But, I mean, he's going to have three more years on his contract after this one. (laughs) 
And I think that's probably going to be the least enjoyable part of this experience for Wizards fans is just having to deal with three more years of this. Last year, um, 20 points a game, 43% from the field, um, 34% from three. I rounded up a little bit, but a lot better. Five free throw attempts a game. So he was getting to the line. Four and a half assists a game, too, if you care. Just everything's down. And I think a lot of it, too, is that, you know, they have Tyus Jones. They have DeLon Wright. They have DeLon Wright's hurt right now, but still, um, it's the principle of the thing. They have just way too many ball handlers. They have way too many people who need the ball. (laughs) It's just kind of a mess. And the sooner they get it sorted out, the better it'll be for them. Um, From the bottom of the league all the way to the top, we're going to talk the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, the Timberwolves, they deserve their last five games to be talked about. They did not get to participate in the um, in-season tournament. They were duly eliminated um, pretty early on, actually. I think, you know, they took a pretty early loss. No, sorry, they were eliminated by the Kings. I still don't really understand how the elimination works. Um, they were on a six-game losing streak before losing to the Pelicans on Monday. They are going to be playing in about two hours or an hour, give or take, um, from when I'm recording this. But last five, so they beat the Jazz 101-90, to beat the Hornets 123-117, beat the Spurs 102-94, beat the Grizzlies 127-103, and then beat the Pel- or lost to the Pelicans, excuse me, 121 to 107. That game shouldn't almost even count because Zion was just like, <laughs> that came after Stephen A made his eat the table comments about Zion. And I think Zion was just like, screw this. He was humiliated in the in-season tournament by the Lakers. And I think he was disrespected. And that was the game, I, last game I watched. I also watched the Hornets um, game too. And... It's hard. This week was hard to do the Wolves because Ant did not play in either of those games. Um, I, I did watch actually last week too. I did watch Spurs Wolves, and Ant was pretty. <laughs> that was the only game he played during this stretch. The only full game he played because he played like four minutes during the Grizzlies game, and then he um, he missed the rest of the game. I mean, he's one of our most durable superstars, so I'm guessing he's dying to get back out there. I don't want him to. <laughs> be dealing with let let me let me start with ant because very clearly the pegging order has been established um i believe his numbers are actually kind of down from last year we're at 24.4 points a game um 5.6 rebounds 4.8 assists but 45 percent from the field 38 percent from three i do think those are up from last year if i'm not mistaken i do think no it's about the same actually but actually the points per game was about the same too it just feels like this guy is getting better and better still and it feels like the defense from what i did see his defense he was slipping a little bit off ball but that was his first game back against san antonio um he was letting vassell get him off ball but i think the defense is the biggest thing we always want to see from edwards because we know he can do it we know he's capable of doing it defensively it's just will he get the requisite help he needs on offense and right now the scoring distribution is uh 
let's just say, I, I don't think it's probably the way I'd want it to be if I was Chris Finch. But then again, I don't know exactly what the alternative is. Right now, Cats at 21.6 points a game. Gobert's at 13.3. And Gobert's having a bounce-back season if there ever was one. Conley's at 11.4. Um, Nas Reed. Is that Nas Reed? <laughs> Nas Reed, my man. At 12.8 points a game. If you listen to this pod for a while, you know Dylan and I, in particular, huge Nas Reed fans. Um, Jaden McDaniels, 9.8 points per game. And then Kyle Anderson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 7.2, 7.0s points per game. Um, I This team needs to be looking towards the playoffs. It, because I think they have a regular season formula, right? But I think, I think it's fair to question, in particular, number 32. Now, number 32 is one of the greatest regular season players in the history of the Minnesota Timberwolves franchise. Notice that little qualifier I gave. Regular season. Last year, against the Nuggets. 18 points a game, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 0.6 steals, 0.8 blocks. Not great. Not great at all. They He had a couple big games against the Nuggets. But the Grizzlies, the numbers look better against the Grizzlies, but he had some real stinkers against them. And then obviously going way back against the Rockets, he could not do anything against the Rockets. He was dreadful against the Rockets. And so obviously that Rockets team was a title contender, so I'm not going to take that all out on him. But... It's fair to question, you know, like, especially with his deficiencies guarding the perimeter and where the Lee is going. Is he a playoff player? And I'm sorry, like, you know, to jump straight to the playoffs with them, but they're 17 and five. (laughs) The chances of them missing the playoffs at this point, barring something catastrophic happening, they're winning without Ian Edwards. They're winning without him being 100%. And I saw John Krasinski, another great excellent beat writer um he said this is the longest i think they've had sole possession of first place in the west for some like 35 total days as a franchise coming into the season and they've already i'm pretty sure they've already beat that i'm not exactly sure what the number is i went searching for it earlier today i couldn't find he hadn't posted it in a while um that's insane they have a two-game lead on oklahoma city right now and with how talented the West is, and with how deep it is, all these teams are going to be beating up on each other. It's going to be really hard to gain ground. Really hard. So, again, I understand if your inclination is to be like, oh, Alex, you know, it's really premature. My goodness, Dallas is the three seed? <laughs> I have not looked at these standings in depth for a while. Um, I mean, okay, here. So, just to, like, give you an actual, like, look at the standings here. Um... Oklahoma City is two games out of the first seed. Dallas and Denver both two and a half games out. Um, the Lakers, three and a half games out. Sacramento's four games out. That's the playoff picture. Play-in is looking like Houston, Clippers, Pelicans, Suns, and then Golden State's bringing up the rear at 11, um, 10 and 13. Two and a half games behind Phoenix. So... 
Phoenix, uh, Golden State, by the way, is as close to Utah at 12 as they are to Phoenix at 10. And that phrase is, it gets late early, which is why it's a good thing that Minnesota has built up this cushion. Because let's just say, you know, they did stumble. It would take Houston probably three weeks to get where Minnesota is now. So you have like one really bad losing streak. Now that's always possible. Don't get me wrong. But with the formula you have, right, of... (laughs) And it's proven to be a pretty strong regular season formula of, okay, pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. Oh, we have one of the best scorers on earth. Where have we seen this before? Get a one seed. Hmm. I wonder. And plus they have way better defenders this time. I think that's the little secret of this is Rudy, I don't think, Rudy is playing great, but I don't think he's like way better athletically than he was last year. I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker, first of all, I'm happy that guy signed a role in the league because that guy is awesome. He just, I don't think there was a spot for him in New Orleans. Jaden McDaniels, obviously all-world defender, um, has been forever. Kyle Anderson, great defender. Shake Milton, great defender. Um, Troy Brown, serviceable defender. He's been starting for Ant. You have these guys around Gobert. Obviously, Cat needs work on defense. You know, Conley's not what he used to be, clearly. Um, he was one of the problems in Utah. But for the most part, this team has replaced... It's bad defenders with good ones, right? Jordan McLaughlin has been pushed out of the rotation this year. And Jordan McLaughlin's a damn good basketball player. But in service of someone like Shake Milton, absolutely give me Shake Milton every time over Jordan McLaughlin. Even though maybe Shake Milton doesn't have like the verve offensively that um, McLaughlin has, I will take what Milton brings on defense. Absolutely, 1,000% of the time. And I think... I don't... Who's their GM? I don't remember. It's not Rosas. Um, it's Connolly. I think Connolly did a perfect job of building this team exactly the way you need to build it around Gobert. I don't think... Obviously, last year was probably... Everyone said last year was the year they needed to win before the decline started. Clearly, Connolly knew otherwise. And all credit to him. Because a lot of people were saying it was win or bust last year for the Timberwolves. And they knew otherwise, especially when you have a guy like Anthony Edwards, a guy who could be a face of the league. And there are obviously things you want to see from Ant, right? (laughs) You want to see those FTAs go way up. You want to see those FTAs get to like seven or eight a game because he is way too physical. And Ant's a guy who's, you know, still athletic enough where he's going to be inclined to do those fancy, like he's kind of like Derrick Rose around the rim. (laughs) But he's also strong enough where he should just be going straight up. And if he's going straight up, he's going to get fouled. So I I think if I had some like small little nitpicks to make, I'd want to see that. Um, But I don't, like, remember I was talking about blowing up the Wizards. Like, I don't think there's moves I would make to this team. You know, like, I think this team is fine. Maybe if this team could get... Like, if let's say we were going to make a trade between the Wizards and the the Wolves, right? And we're going to send Cat to Washington (laughs) as punishment for his crimes. (laughs) What crimes did he commit? I don't know, but let's just say he committed a crime. (laughs) Um, You send Cat to Washington for, like, Kuzma and Kispert, let's say. 
then I think that's like the idealized version of this team where you're playing like actual modern basketball around Gobert and you have like a better representation of a three level scorer. But also, cause Cat still does some shit that like pisses me. Like at first I was like kind of enamored with it, but now it's just kind of getting on my nerves. You know, the first go around of the power hour is like, wow, Cat's doing all this nifty passing. But the 17th time you see Cat throw a pass over his head to nobody, and the guy has to like run to the wing. Um, he He's clearly a high IQ player. Let me say something. He's clearly a high IQ player, but at the same time, he's not Jokic. <laughs> and I think he think he might, I think he thinks he is. And therein lies the problem. And he's only at three assists a game this year now, granted. Conley's at six, Ant's at 4.8. So that's 11 right there. Not much more you can do realistically in a basketball game. But I just think that Cat, you know, sometimes (laughs) thinks he can do a little bit more than he can actually do. And... But it's also not destructive, which is why I'm not like overly like, oh, please get rid of this guy. But if they don't win this year, then absolutely ship his ass out of town because he's going to be the thing that's holding you back. It's not going to be Gobert. And I think we're in an era now where you can like, I don't think I think it'll be hilarious if Gobert entered the league in an era where he could not win as a starting center, but then aged into an era where he's worse than he was in 2018. But now the era is more suited for him to win as the guy under the hoop. That would be actually hilarious to me because I don't think he could have won in 2018. Harden and Curry were just on top of the world, but now they don't play that style of basketball anymore. Now it's more suited to a guy of his skill set. And maybe the Jazz were visionaries. <laughs> Just maybe they were a little early. And, but at the same time, just because I think Gobert might be okay, I'm still, I still reserve the right to be skeptical of that cat. Um, McDaniels, by the way, just I want to say, came back against New Orleans on Monday. Um, I think he came off the bench, which is the one game he hasn't started this year. Set 37% from three. Um, you can't leave him open in the corner, which is dangerous for them, especially with how good he is on defense. I say you can't really have a guy who just stands in the corner and makes threes. I mean, he's a little more dynamic than that, but if he's like evolutionary Trevor Ariza, then (laughs) watch out league because that's going to be dangerous. I mean, that's really kind of what he is too, because Trevor Ariza was an elite defender. And I think people forget that because, you know, he kind of bounced around at the end. But Ariza, there's a reason why that guy was paid a lot is because that guy was an elite defender and I think McDaniels, you know, has that kind of skill set. And plus he has like that little bit of dynamism off the dribble that Ariza never had. And again, shout out to Nas Reed. (laughs) He's just been awesome this year. Um, I think we're kind of starting to see the cracks a little bit in the whole, you know, like, oh, just that he should play all the time thing. I think if I was, I'd be more than happy to get rid of Cat to be like, okay, here's my two centers, Gobert and Nazarene, but I'm like, I don't know if, I think Nazarene is like the perfect backup center. Like he can sh- score great, but he's just so small. 
Like, he's smaller than McDaniels. I think he's smaller than Kyle Anderson. Um, so he's perfect for this team, right? Because the, all the size they have on the perimeter, and especially in the front court, that's not center. But you throw him on, like, a small team. Like, you throw him on the Warriors and be like, okay, here, we're going to throw out a lineup of Staff, CP, um, Jer- Gary Payton the second, and Moses Moody. <laughs> now, why would they throw up that lineup? I don't know. But let's just say they did, hypothetically. Then you couldn't throw out Nasreed. That would just be impossible. So, um, love that guy. Always have. Always will. I really, I really think this team... Caleb, I have to give my friend Caleb Lynn credit for this because he was on this team early as being a team that could win a championship. He was on them in like October. And I was like, I don't know, man. That's that's going to be pretty tough. But, and obviously we're, we're only in December, right? It's December 14th. So who's to say, you know, um, who's to say they, they can win the championship, right? Like it's going to be a lot. But they, they gave Denver the toughest series last year in the Western Conference. And they, you know, obviously that's not like when you lose in five games compared to the other two teams losing in four. <laughs> it's not like, oh, you know, look at us. We're the big bad. You know, we're the bad boy Pistons, you know, to their 80 Celtics. It's, it's not like that. But they're a team you need to take seriously. And I think that they're a team that... I think Caleb, this is what I'm going to give Caleb credit for. He had them on the money in October. And if they make it far, he's going to deserve his flowers. So make sure um, you give him his flowers. I know I jokingly say this, but if you're this far into the podcast and you want to tell him how great his predictions are, at Caleb Lynn one on Twitter, um, for that really smart prediction. Because that, that was really smart and really prescient. And... 22 games into the season, they're tied for the best record in the league. And they haven't shown any signs of slowing down. They're one of the best teams. They're one of the best teams in the whole league. So um, I think on that note, I'm going to wrap up. I want to thank everyone so much for listening. Um, Make sure you check out the other offerings on the Running Cook Podcast Network. Zach Griffith is going to be coming out with another Circle City Cinema. He's going to be previewing 2024 movies. Make sure you check that out. Make sure you listen to um, Back Shoulder Fade. I was on that yesterday in lieu of Caleb Lynn. Um, Who missed the fantasy playoffs? Um, And make sure you uh, listen to that because we talked a little bit about Draymond <laughs> yesterday. We talked a little bit about some other stuff. NFL um, threw some wild card bets at, at you. Zach's is really on brand for him. I don't think mine is on brand for me necessarily, but you know, I, I wanted to make it wild card. Zach wouldn't expect it. So make sure you check that out and make sure you check out um, Lynn Sanity. Lynn Sanity took the week off, but they'll be back and better than ever after a... I mean, it's not a strong <laughs> week 15. This last week was a stronger slate of games, but you know, it's football. Everyone loves football. So make sure you check out all that great content on the Running Cook Podcast Network. I want to thank everyone so much for listening. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your days. And um, thank you very much for listening. 